On today's episode, I spoke with Mary Keough about increasing high intent leads, measuring marketing impact, and not relying so much on AI. Mary is the head of marketing at Map My Customers, and she's grown client bases, inbound pipeline, revenue, and leads for multiple companies in B2B. So let's dive right into the episode. I want to start with foundations before we dive too deep into anything else, but I would love to hear kind of what you're working on, especially with Map My Customers, kind of core responsibilities, focal points, things that you care about most right now. Hi, Cab Blake. So I was brought on to Map My Customers to kind of build a marketing program from the ground up. We were doing a ton of like just generic cold outbound ahead of bringing me on. And so I was brought on to start a demand gen program here at Map My Customers. Awesome. And, and I know that you posted about this before, but wanted to kind of put this at the forefront here as we get the conversation going. Talk to us about the idea of dark social. Why, why should people keep creating content and promoting themselves even when maybe the metrics kind of say that they shouldn't? Yeah. So a lot of the results of dark social or of, you know, anybody posting on social media. So as an example, one of the things I really wanted to get going when I came on board here was to get our senior leadership team posting on LinkedIn. So especially topics relevant to outside sales, which is the market that my customers serves. So they started posting, which is great. And, you know, they're getting five, 10 likes, maybe a few comments. And, you know, they're getting a little bit discouraged, right? Because you know, I've been posting for a couple of years now and I'll get a couple hundred likes if the post is really good, maybe like 50 on average. And they're like, what the heck, Mary? Like, why can't I get hundreds and hundreds of likes right off the bat? And I, you know, level set expectations. But then after a about a month or so of posting, our head of sales, especially who is probably closest to our prospect and our target market, was starting to get DMs, emails, text messages from prospects in the pipeline saying, JT, keep posting. You know, we don't need your solution right this minute, but you guys are going to be the first ones when we're ready to hit the gas pedal. Um, or JT, keep posting. I send all of your LinkedIn posts to my sales team or to my manager. So like all really great qualitative stuff that does lead to actual real business results, but nothing that's ever going to be tracked with any type of software-based attribution. So that's really where the where I see dark social playing out inside Map My Customers right now. Yeah, I, I want to dive into that a little bit further, even with the metrics side of things. So there there are vanity metrics like likes and um, comments, things like that. What are the metrics that really should be measured for a program like that? And how do you think about how those should be moving up and to the right? Yeah. So for anybody um listening and not watching, I am twiddling my fingers together because this is one of my absolute favorite topics to talk about. Um, I do think there's a place for vanity metrics, believe it or not, but it all is based on where you're at in a demand gen program. So when I think about demand gen, I'm thinking about educating a broader market on the category that you play in and how you play in that category. So where your product fits as far as solving a unique customer problem. So that takes a long time. And if you don't have a lot of budget, you don't have a lot of resources, it's going to take even longer. So what I did at Bat My Customers and what I did when I was agency side, I worked for a demand gen agency for industrial and manufacturing companies, is you have to level set where you're going to be as far as like metrics, KPIs on a timeline. 
So when you're just getting a demand gen program off the ground, you are desperate for those vanity metrics, like impressions. What's your cost for reaching a thousand people? You know, is it like a ridiculously high number? How, mu- how much reach are you getting with your message based on your budget? Who's liking it? Who's commenting on it? Is anybody sharing it? Like these are the stuff, this is the stuff you're desperate for in the beginning. And once you see that that's resonating, now, again, depending on budget and resources, you're going to start looking at high intent leads. So are the people who you're targeting with this message coming in, filling out forms, DMing your sales team, you know, signing up for your live event if you have one, and then progressing farther, are those leads turning into pipeline? Is that pipeline turning into revenue? And again, based on average sales cycle, your ACV, um, how much budget you're allocating toward these efforts, you can kind of like extrapolate that for your timeline. I'll give a really specific example just for anyone who's like, you know, me, when I was first starting out in marketing, I'm like, what does that even mean? So our ACV is roughly, you know, 15 to 20K, let's say, for an average deal size. And so what I did was extrapolate the budget that I was given. And I figured, you know, our sales cycle is usually between like 80 to 100 days, depending on the source. So everything I did was in three month cycles. So I expected vanity metrics to give us some good key decision making. Like, is the message resonating? Are we um, resonating in the target market within like eight to 12 weeks? I want to see high intent leads from 12 to 15. I want to see pipeline generated from those high intent leads in this period, in this period. So really within 12 months, I should know if this program is producing actual real great revenue. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned in there as a core component is um, obviously on the lead side, wanting those to be high intent when coming from a campaign like LinkedIn, for example, where you put so much time and organic effort into it, you do want that to lead somewhere. And I think that's where a lot of people can be skeptical that you can get high intent leads. So kind of a two-pronged question here. First off, for for your company, for your role, what does how would you define what a high intent lead looks like compared to a regular lead? And then second off, how do you kind of set yourself up for success, whether it's through LinkedIn or other demand gen efforts to like actually attract those type of leads as opposed to casual ones? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll kind of answer your question, re-high intent leads in two ways. So in the past, so before I came on, our two main lead sources were lead gen on the website. So downloading an ebook, um, getting involved in a nurture sequence, and then two, like I mentioned before, cold outbound. So those are really our only two lead sources. And what is interesting, if you're looking at the intent of those leads, is they kind of know who you are if they're downloading an ebook and cold outbound, they have no idea who you are. So they're not necessarily trying to solve a problem right now. They might not be in market for a solution like yours. They might even not know exactly what you do, depending on what the ebook was. You know, we were, I'll just give an example. We were doing some like really high volume keywords that didn't really relate to what our product did or the problems it solved, but we were generating a lot of traffic from them. So just as like, you know, example of like low intent lead gen. So high intent lead gen is people like actually coming saying, I want to book a demo with your sales team. Now, what's interesting about that is we did have some other what I would consider high intent, maybe like warm, like between low and high intent. And that's like free trial signups, um, 
we had some like gated videos, like gated product demo videos, stuff like that. So what I did when I came on board was do kind of a qualitative analysis. So how many people are using that gate to access the tour, access the product demo videos, and are they turning into opportunities and customers? And for the most part, they were at least turning into an opportunity. So they would at least eventually book a demo because we would put them into a nurture sequence. But the problem was they were pretty small teams. So we were really trying to capture that enterprise. We were seeing a lot of success in the enterprise. But the interesting thing is, as soon as you put that gate up, man, it was just like small teams to individual users only that wanted to do it. So my idea, of course, like remove the gate, more people will book a demo. And that's exactly what happened, which is great. So um, hypothesis worked out in that instance. Um, and then afterward, the second part was like, what, how did we measure the demand gen via LinkedIn? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. So that we did through self-reported attribution on our high intent forms. So all our book a demo forms or a call request, because we do have like a customer support system too, is how did you hear about us? Hey, where did you find us? Um, where are you getting in your information? And more importantly, because this can be common with SaaS, especially if you had that kind of like high volume SEO strategy ahead of time, make your sales team ask on the first demo. I listen to all of our demos. We're, you know, we're small enough where I can do that if it's an enterprise team. So our sales reps all ask, hey, in a super casual way, how'd you hear about us? How did you gather information? What did you find interesting? So they're just as bought into the demand generation program as I am, which is nice because they're just as interested in gathering that information too. I, taking a step back, looking kind of holistically at your demand gen program, you've probably touched on on a lot of different things that you're doing here. Putting it all together, what are the things that are kind of recurring that you do in terms of campaigns? And then what are some of the maybe one-off things that have been particularly interesting that you've run? Ooh, that's a really great question. So the recurring things we do is a podcast. We do have a podcast. We do video recording so that we can clip it up into micro clips and distribute it on um, paid and organic social media. We have a recurring live event that we do every week called Workshop Wednesday. And that's really more of like a retention activation play. So we'll just dive deep into a specific feature or function of the system. And then we do product demo videos. So every week, the founder here records a demo of a specific feature and that goes out to all current customers. It's called tip of the week. So those are like our really big recurring um, content pillars right now. And then as far as like one off, I love that question. Um, we're doing, we're starting to kind of like experiment with um, maybe like targeted ABM outbound. So Outbound was not a great source of conversion for us, as you know, many companies found out in probably like between 2018 and 2023 is, you know, calling people and begging them to come into a demo is just not that effective. So we've been doing a little bit different outbound. So maybe more like warm outbound. Um, are people coming to the website? Do they fit a certain ICP? Are they engaging with content on LinkedIn? And I've been doing that just with like our AEs. So not necessarily like a BDR, but an AE. And we're finding a lot of success with that where it's just like really individualized outreach on LinkedIn. If they engaged with um, either an organic or a paid piece, it's like, hey, um, I notice you like this piece. Uh, 
I thought you might find this blog article, this case study, this other product demo video interesting. And like, that's it. So they're just doing kind of like a long-term play. And I think that's like really the most difficult shift right now in SaaS is just like trying to balance those short-term strategies with the long-term ones. Yeah, kind of got me thinking along those lines. A lot of the things that you've said have been more manual, unscalable, just being willing to create content or reach out directly to people or be helpful in some way. I'm curious how you think about the balance between doing things that can scale versus doing things that can't scale for demand gen. Yeah, so I think that a really easy scale piece for us is going to be demand gen as a function, so specifically paid. So we really only do paid LinkedIn right now. So once we get that kind of message market fit, it'll be easy to scale that to other channels. Um, same thing with the videos that we're creating for YouTube and from the podcast. Once that message starts scaling and starts, you know, we're confident that it's resonating with the market that we're targeting, that's an easy one to scale to something like TikTok or paid YouTube or wherever we feel like the next big opportunity is. I think Facebook and Instagram is a huge play for our audience. Um, so that's really what I'm looking to do right now is like, you put it perfectly. Like, what can we do early on to create really high quality content? Because honestly, really high quality content is difficult to scale because you need the resources, you need internal subject matter knowledge, you need a really great understanding of how your target market likes to research similar products. So once you have that like unscalable stuff done, that's kind of the exciting part because then you just get to like, go everywhere and see what works. Yeah. So for you in particular, you, I'm sure you have across your career worked in B2B in different capacities and even different sectors. So looking at B2B SaaS might be different than something that's highly technical or something that's maybe industrial or, or whatever. As, as you kind of navigate across different areas of B2B, what are some of the main differences for marketing to those different sectors? Yeah, I think as far as marketing goes, the way that your target market likes to research and buy products is probably the biggest differentiator. So as far as the types of content people like, there's it's all the same. People are all on LinkedIn. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're on YouTube. Like they're on the major social media networks. They like videos. They like case studies. They like the same things that Everybody across the, you know, people, B2B buyer, human population enjoys to consume online. So really what you need to find out for your market specifically is how many stakeholders are involved. So that changes drastically across markets. So in manufacturing and industrial, you might just be talking to an engineering lead or an operations lead because they're buying a piece of equipment for their manufacturing line. That's an easy like check the box decision where it's like maybe the operations person on the line found you via Facebook and Instagram or LinkedIn or YouTube and then told their boss and their boss can just sign off on it because it's a one off purchase. It's a product. They're going to put it on their line and it's done. Now, when it comes to software as a service, you're talking integrations across an entire tech stack. You're talking um, budget that's coming from probably multiple departments. 
So the stakeholders in SaaS just get so much wider. That buying committee just gets so much bigger. Yeah, so I, I want to talk through B2B generally here based on your skill set and, and everything you've gone through th throughout your career. Um, if, if you were bringing new people onto your team, which I'm sure you probably are currently or, or have recently, what are the skills you're looking for in a B2B marketer now? And, and maybe how is that different than what you might have looked for a while ago, you know, a few years ago? Yeah. So if I was like building a team back when I was um, in marketing at an industrial company, I would probably look for a different background and a different skill set. So I'd want somebody heavier on the digital side. So the interesting thing in industrial and manufacturing, they really have not fully explored digital online marketing. They're not doing a ton with their website. They're not doing a ton with their social media presence. So I'd be heavily involved on like the digital skill set side. Now I'm in SaaS. Everyone is online in software as a service. So I think my skill set would be much more um, soft skill based. How curious are they? How long have they been doing the job? Can they prove to me that they've done the job before? I would especially be interested at this point in customer research. So how well, how curious are they about the customers and the market we're serving? Because at this point, there are so many great consultants, freelancers, agencies who I'm in contact with just from my network on LinkedIn who can do a plug and play strategy or tactic. So I can give a really great freelancer, a really great demand gen agency what's been working for us so far graphics, message, audience, and say, go run this on five more channels, please. And here's the budget to match it. And they'll do that and they can do it really, really well. Um, what an agency, a freelancer, a consultant can't do because they're usually working with multiple companies is get to know your product and your target market really, really well. So those are just like, that's how I'm thinking about scaling a team now is how obsessed are you going to be with my buyer? Looking forward, then, if, if you've got the perfect people in place and, and everything, um, lo looking forward in B2B, there's a lot changing right now. AI is one thing. You've got a million new tools every single week coming out. What do you think are some of the likely trends that will be you know, impactful in B2B going forward? Yeah, I think um, there is going to be a huge shift. This is like, you know, just my hot take prediction in investment in operations people who are really good at the fundamentals. So how to build, audit, and scale a CRM instance. You know, I when I was at the agency and now, you know, being exposed to some software as a service companies, their CRMs are super messy and there's a lot of stuff that can be optimized in them. So I think operations folks who are not necessarily obsessed with like, you know, minute attribution of a single campaign or a single piece of content, but are instead strategic minded and can take a step back and say, hey, we could measure this single piece of content, but the problem is not in the attribution of the single piece of content. It's in how you're measuring it across all of your systems now. So I think really those like strategic operations leaders are going to be so key in B2B in the future. One thing that you've shared is how you actually, compared to other marketers, feel like you have a low re reliance on AI in particular. 
Can you talk about that? Why you think that works for you? What kind of what, how you feel AI and other similar technologies um, might not be quite up to the hype that they get? Yeah. So, you know, we're a smaller company. Um, we serve a really specific market with a really specific product. So the problem with AI right now is it's just too general. So I've tried ChatGPT. I've tried, you know, HubSpot has a ton of different AI resources, whether it's in their email or their social media posting. Um, LinkedIn has a personal AI creator now where you can like plug in a prompt in your LinkedIn and it'll try and create. And what AI is really great at is pulling a lot of information in. What it's not really good at is personality. And I'm at the stage now where I need a lot of personality to break through the noise in my market. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, my, my last question here today maybe speaks a little bit to, to the previous one, because I know that MarTech-wise as well, you're probably lean on that. But if you had to pick one marketing tool of any ca capacity that you just really couldn't live without or that you like using, what tool would that be? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, let's see. I'm torn between my CRM and my website, but I think I could do a lot more with my CRM. So I'm going to say my CRM is the tool I can't live without. 